Hi, and welcome to Designing the Robot Revolution. In this episode, me and David discuss the possibilities and liabilities of robots giving us advice. And we have some thoughts on insurance. And right at the end, we're going to discuss some feedback that we've gotten on episode two, the limitless possibilities of a data-driven company. If you have feedback on any of our episodes, please write to us on LinkedIn at Jacob Magnell and David Griffith-Jones. Enjoy. Um, I've had a bit of a shocker this morning, though. Stayed at the Stuga last night and um, got up this morning to jump in the car. Car just wouldn't start. Yeah, great start to Monday. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So immediate problem not too much of a problem just walk down jump on the bus get back home um so fine and then we don't need the car anytime soon so it's, yeah, it could be a lot worse but then trying to find how to get it sorted so have to go through all our oh. documents okay who's the insurer phone up get put on hold get through to someone they give me uh, first of all contact the toyota garage where i want to get it fixed they say you need to speak to your insurance, get through to my insurer, get bounced around all these different places, eventually get to like, to like the fifth person who says, okay, no problem. You need to call this number, our assistance number, gave me a number, which I'll come back to. And then they'll come and pick it up and they'll take it to the Toyota workshop. Um, and you need to give the Toyota workshop this number, which is your insurance number when it gets delivered. Like, okay, cool. About how much is that going to cost? Oh, well, if it's less than 10,000 Swedish miles to drive, it will cost 5,000 set. 5,000 set. Yeah. So I come off the phone call and I try and call the number that she's given me. And when she was saying it, I was like, this number doesn't sound the right number of digits. It's not a number that works. I start thinking, well, if, if, all, if the insurance is just going to sting me that much and all they're going to do is get it to the garage, maybe I can find a cheaper rescue place in Gothenburg. So I've looked around now and found a couple of online places that seem to offer it for like 1500 My car is so awful that I've invested in like a separate insurance for just getting it picked up when it breaks down. And it's so cheap. It's, I, I think it's... Really? Like, off the top of my head I think it's 500 crowns a year and they just come and pick it up wow and I'm guessing that's because most people with that kind of insurance are people with really new nice cars that don't mind spending money on it so that type of insurance is uh, it seems like great value actually insurance (laughs) and speaking about it like the amount of insurance stuff that comes mm. with having a house. There's, um, yeah. you know, insurance for fire protection. Uh, and I'm like, mm. yeah, that, I, you, you have to have that. You you, ca- you can't just ignore that because if, if the house burns down and no, you don't you have, have, have that, yeah. well, that's not going to be a good time for you. Yeah. That happened to one of my friends growing up, actually. Their family had a, had a fire oh, and no. the insurance didn't cover it they went to the court in the end and in the and in the end through some loophole they managed the fire yeah they didn't have insurance they were having worked on it done on their house they they 
didn't have the right insurance because they had workers basically staying there, sort of workers staying in the house. They started a fire. The house burnt down. And they, in the end, they managed to get money back because the fire engines were late in arriving. So there was negligence on the and side. Granted, of the fire uh, like the important thing there is that everyone is okay, but still the financial implications of not having a house, just a burnt down pile of rubble. <laughs> Wow, I mean, talk about a silver life, yeah. lining. That's crazy. Where was I? Right, I was contacted by this insurance company. He called me and he, he wanted to offer me like a really fair price on one of those like house insurance. Not the stuff in it, but the house itself. Mm. The price was really fair and yeah. the guy was really nice and he helped me with a car insurance before. And it turned out that my house insurance was going to be up for like re-evaluation in four days. But the scary thing is right. I did not know what company I had that insurance with. I was pretty sure that I had the fire insurance, but I wasn't certain. Can you imagine the the difference between looking for the insurance in your situation now versus looking for the insurance when the house is burnt down? I mean, there's just these moments in people's lives, aren't there, where, like, poor people, like, and, and these things can happen yeah. to anyone. Like, you do, do not think you're immune from these sort of just disasters. It's a financial, it's a category of financial yeah. disaster, isn't it? I think insurance would be very good if there was a database and you just entered your, like, um bank id kind of thing digital id uh into a database and you get like just a list of all the insurances that are connected to your name and not only the big important stuff but also like the stupid insurance on a pair of headphones from 2003 yeah. seems really reasonable yeah well particularly when you can reference yeah. it on a person it's number really or something scary to look for the fire insurance for your house even though it's not burning right now because i immediately started thinking like i yeah. am just not gonna make a fire tonight <laughs> it's it's not a good yeah feeling. these assistant type of things that are popping up mm. you have google yeah uh, oh yeah hmm? google something and you have siri and alexa and this story is about alexa a girl in i think right. britain and i'll link to the news article in the show notes mm -hmm. but a girl asked alexa for a challenge right and Alexa proceeded in saying something along the lines of take a wall plug, pull it out halfway and put a quarter between the, what? the electrodes. Oh <laughs> Her God. mom and was there happened? and heard it. And heard it. And was like, what is what? happening? That is crazy, isn't it? And I'm... And I'm sitting there listening to that, and I get, like, shills. Um, what are yeah. your thoughts on this? 
Well, I've, I've heard people say with young children that they're amazed at how their kids are just talking to the um, smart home and just asking it questions, telling it to tell jokes, and that it, they really naturally interact with it. Imagine if that little girl had been doing that. Yeah, while talking about fire in insurance. I yeah yeah that could be I mean it could be really dangerous electricity but I think the biggest danger there is that the house actually burns down uh, because it creates essentially like a toaster yeah. that that is what a toaster is um yeah wow. and thinking about this from a design perspective I can really see how that's mm -hmm. easy to miss. You're really excited about creating this new cool project product. And then how do you yeah. handle that? Giving advice? Because I actually tested with, uh, I was in the car, so I don't know if it was a mm. restricted thing, but I could not get Siri to give me an advice. I could not get my Google, whatever it is, to, to give me an advice. And I'm, guessing what what type um, of question were you asking it when i was in the car i just asked if it could give me an advice like yeah. can you give me yeah, can yeah, yeah. you give me any advice no, just, advice about something you would just say and, and it just said sorry yeah, Jake, i don't we, know what, sorry we can't help with that what to do for you here so i'm thinking they've just hard coded in a block so that they don't give advice freely without having a really like yeah. solid foundation like, for those advice yeah if, if for example you ask it hey siri can you give me some financial advice i want to know what to invest in and then it gives you some advice and you put it in and then you lose money then yeah they need to be really careful about when they're actually yeah. giving advice on and don't I, they? I imagine that this in part at least is a consequence of that exact story it's it's from in December 2021, uh, so it's not pure, like it's not yesterday, but uh, that's that's where the first reference to it that I saw. Wow. So I imagine what's going on in the background is that they have algorithms just going and looking for combinations of words and sentences that relate to challenges, like, give me, what was the exact question she uh, asked? It? I think it was, can you give me a challenge? Can you imagine if Can you're you 12, where it comes from? Because this is another interesting part of this. Where did the advice come from? I, it just comes from scraping loads of web content that relates to yeah. certain questions. and In this case, TikTok. Suggesting a... Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yes, it's gone and searched. Well, yeah. it makes sense to go and query TikTok, doesn't it? Because it could have been Because TikTok has all these challenges. So, yeah, classic would be a challenge, and it could have done like it, it could have Absolutely. been like the ice bucket challenge or something, but instead, it's so got what is it's popular gone with American challenge. kids today. Well, it's pulling out the wall socket and putting a quarter in it. That's not a good idea. Oh, my god! But it's, I mean, I, I, I'd love to talk about TikTok, but even more, I think the interesting part of this is how to handle how would you handle giving advice? to private citizens through an AI service. Well, there's this really interesting 
difference between giving him information yeah, and advice. You can just go to Wikipedia for information, and that's a really, like... Exactly. I, um... When, this is a bit of a, a sidetrack, but when I was working as a lawyer, I created this service for people who couldn't afford a lawyer called Can't Afford a Lawyer. And what I found was this um, loop loophole, really, in how you could represent your service, whereby if you were clear that what you were giving was information, not advice, then you could sell it in a much more direct way to the, the consumers, whereas when it's advice, it's far more regulated. And so only certain types of qualified people are allowed to give advice, like fin financial advisors and lawyers, because they have the insurance for when it goes wrong. You can sue them. But you can get remarkably close to advice with information, as so long as it's actually almost in the presentation. So I'd, I'd give, uh, you'd have to start off by saying, this is not legal advice. This is legal information, so I'm passing information on to you, but you have to make the decision on what to do with this information. But then you could give them really very useful information that really leads them what to do. But it just comes right close up to touching on advice, but it's still in the realm of information. So that's, I mean, that's maybe one way to get closer to it is to just be strict that you're giving information rather than advice. But then as soon as you're in the realm of actually giving advice, which is telling people what to do and holding yourself out as someone they can rely upon. I think that's what it is in English law anyway. It's about a reasonable um, belief that you can rely upon the advice that someone's giving you. And if you have a reasonable belief that you can rely upon it, then um, you, you, they can be liable. I mean, the only thing that comes to my mind is like, you have to be just so damn careful. Actually, what you're like, bringing up is really an important part of the puzzle. Maybe we should give some advice. We should definitely not be giving AI advice on eating Tide Pods or burning down your house with a quarter in an out electrical outlet. Sometimes it might be valuable to the people that you could give advice to, uh, to have that as a... As a service, as you say, legal advice is super expensive. And if you could get some amount of direction on how to think about it, maybe you know what question you can ask a lawyer, for example. Yeah, so it is very useful to have that extra information. But as soon as you're wandering into the world of advice, it's... Um, very high risk to the extent that if you wanted to have a, an automated service that was giving advice, having it completely unmonitored just feels like a no-go, doesn't it? You, you're having to trust that the um, that the AI doesn't start giving really negligent advice, and and then the service yeah, you would, would want to go through everything, and then it's not, and then it's, it's not really autonomous. Then is it? If it's every every response is having has been pre checked but there is a difference really to having a computer look through all the information making a summary and then just going through it and make sure that it looks okay see if you want to add something to that advice and then you're you're good to publish it it's it, it could be a very useful tool for uh if, if we go back to the insurance thing like hi my name is jacob and 
I would like for your service to give me some really good advice on what insurance I should be taking for this and this and this. And if I could get like a first contact just through an AI machine that would go through my, my, hopefully it could just see what insurance I have, ask me some questions and then connect me to someone that can check that advice and get back to me. I think it would be okay that it wouldn't be instantaneous either. It would be really useful for me in that situation. Yeah, I'm just looking at, at the law on reliance on advice. Um, yeah. If, if a client can reasonably rely on advice, it's professional negligence we're really talking about. And you're giving advice and that person receiving the advice reasonably relies on it and then makes a loss, you can be liable. So... Again, it sound repetitive, but it comes down to it's a lot easier to give information in that I want insurance quotes. Here you are. Here's a selection of some of the most relevant insurance quotes we could find with links. It's just providing information different to we recommend that you get this insurance because if you go and get that insurance and it's not fit for purpose and it's negligent advice and, to and what it, you're talking you about liable. in the insurance example is just adding that layer of here are the alternatives this one you should go for um yeah but it's really a value proposition isn't it so it it makes sense that this is something that the the provider of the aggregated insurance information would like to be able to offer their their users yeah well, it falls into the category of any service that you're automating. If you had a person doing it, you would you'd think about the consequences of what if my member of staff gives negligent advice? It, it, imagine if in in that little girl example of asking the home company, if it was a person, she'd phoned up, let's say, and spoken to one of your members of staff who ran a ideas for tricks, and one of your members of staff had said we recommend putting a dime in the electricity in your house, then you would you have insurance to cover you for negligence of your employees. And so you need, you need to think about insurance for the negligence of your AIs. Yeah. You come I mean, back you to do. that always. With cars is the obvious example. The really difficult thing, like who is actually responsible for, for any anything that happens when an AI is involved, it becomes this blurry thing and you have to weigh that against the value of having the service. Um, yeah. Not easy, but do not put quarters in your sockets. No. met up with the guy in the afternoon he had an interesting um take um he said I, I really enjoyed listening to the to your to the podcast um i've got something i want to raise with you though and that it's about the mckinsey article of the organization the enterprise organization 2025 yeah. he said i've got a prob a problem with that and i was like what, what, what are you gonna say and he said I've got a problem with the timescales, but mm -hmm. he's coming from it from public sector. 
Yeah. And that's what explains him. This is an enterprise organization and it's the leading organizations in enterprise. It's Siemens. But, yeah. But nonetheless, his point was interesting. He said, it's going to be at least 10 years before I get, you're talking about three years. It, it's going to be at least 10 years before I do in the public sector. The infrastructure just isn't in place. So mm. they still have lots of data collection points, essentially, or kind of uh, objects or things that could be uh, connected that would have great use cases that just aren't. Like even, um, like, they're still going around and manually inspecting water hydrants. He's like, there's some really obvious things that, like, they should be, you know, you should be able to monitor the state of a water hydrant that the fire people go and use when there's a fire remotely at the moment you still have a guy going around and checking manually right so there's some very fundamental connectivity that is a long way off like Um, your data collection stuff for data collection yeah but he said big more than that is um culturally like he's he's he says we're still at the beginning having he's talking to old style public sector people who are just uh, step one of understanding data they're using word processors to create documents basically yeah yeah i can see that i think it's a valid point i i really do i think as you say what we're looking at in the mckinsey article is the extreme at the other on the other end of the spectrum potentially not like the big tech companies in in silicon valley maybe they're further ahead but when it comes to industrial companies for sure that's it's feasible for the most forward-leaning companies to be there in a couple of years public sector i can see why that is not going to happen in three years absolutely 